0: edifying to me and I thank you for that. I want to thank everybody that's here tonight. You know, you could be a lot of places tonight other than here. You could be doing a lot of things, but you chose to be here and that sends a message to your brothers and sisters in Christ and more importantly, it sends a message to our God and Father and I thank you for that. We're going to study for a little while this evening about, talk for a little while about evangelism. And uh, our work, and I literally mean that, our work, not my work, our work, because we're in this together. Everyone here, we're in this together. When Brother Van goes to India, with a team of evangelists to help in the work of the church you are all there you are involved in that wherever these evangelists go you are involved in that and I thank you for that you know this congregation supports a lot of work you support a lot of work you support it with money with food I can't tell you how many times I've eaten here, <laughs> you probably look at me, it's, you can tell. Other resources that you support us with. You know something that a lot of people may take for granted is the iron sharpens iron. The teaching and study. I got to tell you that I really, really, am I talking too loud? <laughs> turn me down uh, the teaching and study I love listening to your podcast along with a couple other congregations it's, it's just it comes up on my phone all the time when I drive and I drive quite a bit and I want to thank y'all for that because iron does sharpen iron iron is not sharpened by wood we're sharpened by each other not the world I'd also like to thank you for the care, the care and watchfulness that you provide for these evangelists when they go on the road to their families. It's invaluable. It helps a man do the work when he doesn't have to worry about the safety and the welfare of his family back home. So I thank you for that. You know, when we're doing the work, it involves several different things. We preach the word, of course spreading the gospel. We study in private studies and group studies. We pray with those that are hurting, that need help, that need strength. We visit members. We visit people that are not members of the church. We admonish. We abuke, rebuke. We try to edify. We do a lot of personal work. It involves a lot of things, but you are involved in all of that. You are a part of that. It's our work. Now, our first primary goal in evangelism is promoting the gospel, the good news of our Lord and Savior. Matthew 28 and 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's our first objective, to spread the gospel. And right behind that, we want to disciple people. When they obey the gospel, we don't want to just throw them out there like a babe. We want to arm them. We want to arm these new Christians with the armor of God so that they can prosper in the fight. Those are our two main goals. And the fact of the matter is, is all need Christ. Everyone needs Christ. But few want Him. That's just the simple facts. Everyone needs Him, but few want Him. So I want to talk about this idea of when the Word will not work. You ever thought about that? When the Word won't work? You know, uh, I was traveling back from a meeting in New Mexico uh, when I first started training, and the brother that was training me at the time had asked me to sit back and watch and evaluate how the meeting went and at the end of the meeting to give him a report. He asked me on the way home what I thought about it. And I told him it kind of seemed like a waste of time. Because it was poorly attended, low activity, low interest, And I just told him uh, I thought it was a waste of time. And I'm going to tell you this I was quickly rebuked. I was quickly rebuked. And I was told we may not see the word working, but it always works. Always. We're never wasting our time when we plant seeds. First of all, the Word convicts, and it saves. There in 2 Timothy 3 and 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Word convicts. It pricks people's heart. And they ask, what must we do to be saved? And they are saved. The Word also judges. It convicts and it sentences. John 12 and 48, our Savior says, He who rejects Me and does not receive My words has that which judges Him. The Word that I have spoken will judge Him in that last day. The Word always works. Hebrews 4 and 12. For the word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from His eyes, from His sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. It always works. You know, my wife. She knows more about me than anybody else. I'm going to tell you something. There's something she does not know about me. But not so with the Word. The Word knows everything. Not only about me, but about every one of you. That's part of the power of it. There in Isaiah 55 and verse 10, the Scripture reads, For as the rain cometh down, and snow from heaven, and do not return to there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that it goeth forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent. What God intends his word to do, it will accomplish. When we're spreading the word, it's never a waste of time, folks. It's never a waste of time. And I'm going to tell you a little secret. The mark of success when we share the gospel with people is not how many people we baptize. It's not how many notches we put on our belt. And as a matter of fact, that's a dangerous thing to keep track of because it leads to pride. The mark of success is whether we share the gospel or not. And whether we water it or not. That is the mark of success. Doing what God told us to do. The other stuff, whether they are obey or whether they're faithful, that's up to them and that's up to God. It's not God gives the increase. Now generally, there's four responses when we share the gospel. First of all, People humble themselves, they're pricked in the heart, they believe and they obey. And they're buried in the waters, covered in the blood, and they rise anew. Many people reject the gospel outright, reject it. Others say, I'm unforgivable. I've been too bad. I've done too many bad things. God can't forgive me for what I've done. In essence, saying, My sin is greater than God's power to forgive. And they reject it that way. And then there are those who say they will obey it on their time and in their way. And in essence, what they are saying is, I am God. I will decide when I obey and how I obey it. I want to take a short little break here and talk about entitlement. You know, the definition of entitlement is the belief that one is inherently deserving of privilege or special treatment just because they are who they are who they were born as. They're entitled. And I think we can all relate to that being Americans. We, we live in a very blessed country. And a lot of times we get the idea that we're entitled to things. The, constant, the Constitution ensures us and entitles us the freedom of speech and liberty and all these different things. We think we're entitled. The thing about entitlement is is it's the complete opposite of gratitude. The complete opposite of gratitude, of being grateful. Matter of fact, a person that's entitled is incapable of being grateful in its true sense. Now I want y'all to take a look at this picture here. What do y'all think about that? You know, what I see there. As a little girl on Christmas morning got up and she opened that present and she thought she was going to get a little, uh, uh, what, what she called, Anna or Elsa, a little, a little toy doll that she'd been wanting forever. She opened that present and guess what was in it? A nice pair of socks. <laughs> She's upset, right? We can relate to that. You know, when we first got started in the work, we were living from week to week, paying our bills. And my, wa- my wife worked full time, more than full time, to help us in the work. And we saved up money for Christmas time, saved up a pretty good chunk. We bought our kids computers, uh, laptops for schoolwork. Really, really happy about our. Our, our gifts, and we were looking forward to them opening them. They opened them, and our daughter looked just like that. She didn't want that. She wants something else. But I'll tell you something. My wife has a cure for that. See, the next Christmases we don't get any presents and she takes them to the uh, women's shelter, and they serve meals to all the homeless people. That cures that. We haven't had that problem anymore. So, and In essence, the attitude or the belief, the, the position of entitlement is based on pride. And these people that reject the gospel... When they reject it, it's based on pride. I want to do things my way. In my time. I just reject it. I'm unforgivable. It's all based on pride, folks. And pride will not stand in the face of God. I want to talk about the world today and its desire to eliminate Christ. Many of you will remember this thing that I'm going to talk about. It's hard to forget. And Ian, you're fixing to get an earworm back there. Maybe not quite as bad as looking for love in the wrong, all the wrong places, but you'll have it. There was a song put out by a very famous artist that was assassinated, actually, shortly after he put this out. But it is a very, very hugely popular song. As a matter of fact, I think it's still in the top five of all time. And this song talks about a world without God, and a desire for a world without God, and a world without a goal of going to heaven, and how wonderful and how great it would be. And people just ate it up. The album went, I don't know how many times it went platinum. A world without Christ. A world without God. A world without a hope in heaven. So I want to talk, take a look just for a little while this evening. What does that look like? What does that look like, a world without Christ? There in John chapter 1 and verse 1, the Scripture reads, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. Uh, I don't know about you, but it gives me comfort that I have a Savior that has no beginning and no end. And He never changes. You know, we as humans... The way we view time is we look back and we remember things like a river upstream. And we see these things and remember them. And then we see the present in front of us, the things that are happening. And then we look down the river, the direction it's flowing and disappearing around the bend. And we think, well, something this might happen or that might happen. But we don't know. We're subject to time and space. Brothers and sisters, our Lord and Savior, the Word of God, created time and space. He's the master of it. He is not subject to it. And He views everything right there in front of Him. He is all powerful. What's the world's objective? Well, first they taught evolution, chaos theory, all these different things, string theory. They, one theory of man that they preach as gospel and law is replaced by another one that disproved the prior one. It's always changing. But at the bottom of it, all these things are designed to eliminate Christ, to take him out of the minds of man. There in Genesis chapter 1 and 27. So God created man in His own image, and the image of God He created him. Male and female He created them. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And actually, God said it was very good. We were very good at one time. God made man and He made woman. And what a blessing it is. He took so much care that we were the only part of creation that He took the time and the attention to breathe the breath of life into. To create in His own image. God created man and woman. What's the world's objective? The world's objective is it doesn't matter what God created you as. You can tell Him, I don't want to be a boy. I want to be a girl. And make yourself God. That's what the world. They want to eliminate it. They want to eliminate what God has created and take Christ out of it. The family. Genesis 2 and 23. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, and the man and his wife were not ashamed. Hebrews 13 and 4, Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. Marriage was created by God. It was ordained by God. All of you folks that are married here, your marriage was ordained by God. Does that not build you up? What a blessing. What a blessing. Brent, could you imagine life without your wife? I can't either, without my wife. What a blessing. It don't take much talk to describe what the world is trying to do to marriage. There is no regard for it. Not the biblical sense. But you know what? You can go marry all kinds of other things. There are many places you can go marry a dog. It's legal. They mock God. They mock God. And desire to eliminate Christ. The family, children. Psalms 127 and 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has a quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Look around, folks. Look at all these children. Can you imagine if they were all gone? It's hard to imagine, right? The blessing that they, they are to us. We talked about this quite a bit yesterday, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. the world is trying to steal our children. Not only steal them, but destroy them. By teaching them all kinds of filth and saying it's good. Saying that evil things that will destroy them are good. All the nonsense that goes on on this. And I'm not going to spend much time on that. We talked about that yesterday. The world desires to destroy our children. Grandchildren. Proverbs 17 and 6. Children's children are the crown of an old man and the glory of children is their father. Man, I tell you, you parents out there that don't have grandkids yet, man, you've got something to look forward to. What a blessing. I'm talking about a game changer. There's nothing like I was preaching in Amarillo last year and I got up there to preach got ready to talk and all of a sudden I hear pop, pop, pop and I look down and my little granddaughter's running down the aisle towards me. <laughs> man, it just is beautiful. I told Told my daughter-in-law you shouldn't have ran up there and caught her. She ran up and caught her and ran her back to the seat because I wanted to pick her up and I wanted to tell all you young mothers, all those young mothers that were there, don't be ashamed of your kid when it, you know, makes a fuss or something. Don't let it keep you from coming to the services because that's music to our ears. Is it not, Timothy? That's the future. But the world desires to destroy that. The world de- desires to take that. Earthly blessings homes, food, clothing, jobs, innumerable riches. I mean, they're too too numerous to even count. And I think I know what some of you are thinking. Because I was thinking the same thing. People that don't know Christ, don't want to know Him, have these blessings. Don't they? They have those blessings. And that's true for a while. Matthew 5 and 43 You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be, your, be sons of your Father in heaven. For He makes His Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. He blesses all mankind. The evilest Man in the deepest, darkest prison is still blessed by God for a minute. I want to talk to you about some gifts that are only available to the kingdom of God, to those that believe in God. This first one's kind of a crossover, because people that don't believe in God, this is how they come in contact with Him. John 16 and 6, Christ is speaking here. He says, but because I have said these things to you, he's He's telling His apostles about His impending sacrifice on the cross. And they are upset. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is, it is your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatsoever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. I want you to notice what was said there. Jesus said that the Spirit would lead them into all truth. All truth, not part of it. And we have all truth between the covers of that Bible. We have it today. So blessed to have that. Because the Holy Spirit spoke to those apostles and they preached it and they wrote it and it was confirmed by miracles. And now we have that Bible. What would we do without that? Where would we be without that map, without that guide on how to live life? That book that gives us purpose and gives us a destiny. What a blessing. What does the world desire to do to that? You know, there are many churches, Bibles are missing whole chapters and whole verses. They either cut them out, some of them are even printing Bibles that don't have those verses in them or those Scriptures. Because it offends them. God's Word offends them. Because it does not cosign or give them permission to live the way they're living. So they cut it out. God's Word is still God's Word. They can't change it. They can cut down out in books, but it's still the Word. Prayer. Hebrews 4 and 14. Seeing then that, that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens... Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. What would we do without a high priest in heaven? The answer? We die. We die the second death, the one that lasts forever. How valuable is it that we have the ability to approach the throne of God with confidence, with humility? Have you ever thought about that? When we bow our heads in our bedrooms, our closets, by ourselves, and we're praying to God earnestly, praising Him, recognizing Him. We are before the throne of God. Have you ever thought about that? What a blessing to be able to talk to God. What's the world's... What are they trying to do to that? You know, there's a lot of places in this country now, if you say a prayer in public, you better get ready. You better get ready. Hey, some places that will arrest you for doing that. Are we going to still do it? You better believe it. You better believe it. The world desires to eliminate Christ. Eliminate prayer. I want to talk about the church for a minute. We talk about the church. We're not talking about what the world thinks the church is. We're not talking about a time. A time is not church. We're not talking about a place. We're blessed to have this building. It's a beautiful building, and we've got many beautiful buildings. They're just buildings that God has blessed us with. The building is not the church. We are the church. And we don't stop being the church when we say amen, dismissing a, from the service. We don't stop being the church. We're the church 24-7, 365 days a year. That's what God has commanded us to be. Never ceasing. Ephesians 2 and 19, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints, and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. We're the church with Jesus Christ as the head. And every single person here is valuable, immensely valuable. What's the world trying to do to the church? Destroy it. Corrupt it. Corrupt its practices. Following the ways of men instead of the ways of God. Most churches today, when you walk in, it's a place to get entertained. Go get you a coffee bar, a coffee, a lottie, maybe a bag of popcorn. Come sit down and listen to a five-piece band rock out. And then some charismatic guy get up and tell you everything's all right, pat you on the head, and go make a million dollars. Folks, that is not the Church. Well, it may be some kind of church, but it's not God's. This is a big one here. The blood. Why do so many people that claim that they are followers of God and that they believe in Jesus Christ, why do they not talk about the blood? Why do they not talk about baptism? where we come in contact with the blood of Christ when we're buried in that water. Why is it not talked about? Because that's the only way we're given in Scripture from the point Jesus died and what rose up. There's no other way that we're given. Why do people fight against that so hard? When example after example in Scripture is given of it. Romans 5 and 8. But God demonstrated His own love toward us, and that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. The blood is what saves. It's what covers our our filthiness and the power of it to save the little grandma that ain't done nothing in her whole life but have a few bad thoughts and maybe tell a few lies. It saves her and then it saves the rest of us. It's powerful enough to save anybody that you know. Whatever and whoever you know in your family, amongst your friends and loved ones that have hated God, that will not worship Him, that are stuck in drug abuse, sex addiction, whatever, imprisoned by pride, folks, there is nothing that those folks have done that God cannot forgive. That's the power of the blood. But they have to humble themselves. <clears throat> heaven. You ever think about heaven? What that's going to be like? I mean, after all, that's our goal. And as young and healthy as you You young people are, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're hearing about all the time people dying at the drop of a hat. What's heaven going to be like? It's our goal, it's why we're here, to get to heaven. Revelations 21 and 3, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people. God Himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, nor shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? Being in the presence of God being filled with joy and peace and happiness? It's hard to imagine. A place where there is no death. None of your loved ones get sick with cancer or some other fatal illness. It's all over. Because Christ has won The world desires a place without Christ. You know what a place without Christ is? A place without Christ is hell. It's hell. A place without Christ, there's no true love. There's no true love. There's no joy. There's no peace. There's no happiness. There's no forgiveness. There's no comfort. It is sorrow. It is pain without relief. I don't know what what frightens you. I'm going to tell you one thing that really, really makes me just back up. The thought of being alone. You ever been alone before? The answer is none of us have truly been alone. But I'll tell you, I spent three years in a hole in the dark. By myself. And I heard people killing themselves. And I saw them being drugged by my little room on gurneys with sheets covering them. And I was stuck in that hole, and I've never felt more alone in my life. And I'm going to tell you something. That right there will break you. But you know what? That ain't hell. (laughs) That is not hell. It's not even the beginning taste of hell, it's not even an appetizer. Because hell is the final judgment. It is a destination that lasts forever, without end. No loved ones. No comfort. No no love, no joy. None of that. Only pain and suffering and separation from Christ. Separation from God. That's what hell is. And that's what the world thinks they want. Please get out your songbooks. This study tonight, uh, if you have not obeyed the gospel, this study was not designed to embarrass you I don't know if there's anybody here that hadn't obeyed the gospel. I don't know. I don't know that. But God knows. He knows. And this study was not meant to shame you. It was meant to show you what you're missing out on and what position you put yourself in store for. So I got one final question for you. As you sit here tonight, as you sit here tonight, are you without Christ? Are you without Christ? Because we're fixing to offer an invitation. This invitation is from God. Because He desires. He does not desire the destruction of the wicked. He wants all to come to Him. He loves you. He gave His only Son for you. So this opportunity is given. It's given to you just like it's given to everyone else. And if you will take advantage of that, we beg of you, we will help you. I will meet you walking down the aisle, and we'll do this as we sing.